I felt like that was the missing part of my life, that going to church was going to fill and fix everything. I was showing up at church. I made sure to go on Sundays, but I was that person who was like blackout drunk on Saturday night and then waking up to go to church to listen to this fun music and eventually got to the point where I was like, I think I want to know more about this. Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church you connect with, you belong here. On the first Thursday of every month in 2024, we are sharing a special episode of our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church slash YSM. Now check out these stories. You are listening to the Your Story Matters podcast, the podcast where people from Collective Church sit down and share their stories. And today is really exciting because it's episode one of season two. Um, After the year-long journey of recording stories and sharing stories, we realized that we just didn't want it to stop, and um, there were more stories that needed to be shared. And so you were listening to season two. Um, This is a podcast that will come out monthly. Uh, In season one, we did weekly, um, but we decided to slow it down just a little bit for season two. And so I encourage you As you listen to this episode, you'll get to the end and you'll want to hear more stories. And so just jump back and listen to season one of this podcast um, because uh, really you get to see how incredible this journey is and has been and continues to be. Um, But for today, I'm excited for you you to jump in. And if this is your first time listening to the Your Story Matters podcast, welcome. Um, I'm excited for you to hear this episode today. I'm sitting down with some of my friends, um, Brittany and Sam, and people who I've seen Um, a lot of their story over the past few years, but even I'm excited to learn more of it. And so guys, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Uh, We're going to kick things off with Sam. Sam, you know, we always start with the hardest podcast question in the history of openers, which is tell us about your childhood. And so talk about where did you grow up? What was childhood like? And then specifically, you know, what was faith like in your childhood? Uh, <clears throat> so I grew up in New York City. I was born there. Uh, went to elementary school, high school, all in the city. Um, my faith growing up was very strong, I guess. But I grew up in a Catholic household. Um, being of Filipino descent, we were super heavy into praying the rosary, going to healing masses, church every Sunday. So a good baseline. Um, My mom was the heaviest influence on my faith growing up. She was very strict. And uh, my dad kind of was just there along for the ride. He would just encourage or um, back up my mom's position. So... 
I went to elementary school, what a school name, the Blessed Sacrament, down in Midtown Manhattan. And um, Was that a like a Catholic school? Yes. Okay. So Catholic school, um, did my first communion. Just for context, for like Filipino culture, is Catholicism like a like really heavy in the Filipino culture? Uh, at least where my mom grew up. Okay. So she was in the northern um, part, right outside of Metro Manila. But um, the southern portion of the Philippines, I think it tends to be um, more of Muslims. Okay. So did you feel like it was, like before we get to the elementary school stuff, did you feel like the Catholic upbringing was religious culture or Filipino culture? Or like a combination of both, because because I know there are people who have shared on the podcast in the past where it was just part of like their heritage more than anything else. It was it was religion, right? It was you know Catholicism, but it was like they did it because of their background more than like a religious thing. And so I, I imagine a lot of people listening don't understand a lot about like Filipino culture and like how. Catholicism is a part of that. So did you feel like that was more of a Filipino thing or was it more of like a, a Catholic thing? Like your, like it was more of your mom's thing. So I think it's a mix of both, but okay. I think it is just heavy in the Filipino culture just because you copy what you see sure. growing up. Sure. I feel like it was very fear-based. Sure. So you went to a Catholic elementary school. Um, what was that like? It was fine. We just wore uniforms. Yeah. Uh, I never experienced public school, but I guess it was pretty normal for a kid. Um, only thing is we lived in New Jersey, but then we came to school in the city. And each day it was, it was very strict at that elementary school. Um, lots of rules. felt like everyone was judging you. Sure. Um, they used God more of as a fear tactic rather than the omnipotent being that you should go to in any situation. Um, But it wasn't really something that I did because I believed it was just that I had to. It was a routine. I knew I had to go say my one-hour father, ten Hail Marys, and then just Say glory be to the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all of that. Um, but it was just something we did. Yeah. It was never explained to us why we did it. And I think that ties into how my faith in my household was also. Yeah. I, I learned the basic stories like Adam and Eve, um, Abraham and Isaac. Then here and there about revelations, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Let's just skip to the end. Yeah, yeah. Noah's Ark. But yeah. other than that, there yeah. was um, I never knew the true meaning on why I went to church, so I always felt until as a recent empty when I went to church. So yeah, did you um, like when watching your parents' faith? So one thing that people have shared in in, uh, in season one who grew up in very strict Catholic homes, which I don't know if there's a not strict Catholic home, right? Like if you're in it, it's usually pretty regimented strict. Like we go multiple times a week. 
you know, it's the, we, we go to this mass and we go to this mass and we don't do this thing, but we do do this thing. But one of the things that people have shared on previous episodes was what was really hard was they did all these things, but they didn't really see the fruit of faith in their house, right? And it was like, we went to church, but then when we got home, there was still, the parents still fought or there was still tension or, you know, the dad wasn't around, like whatever it may be. So for you, like you guys did this stuff, all that you went to a Catholic school, all of that. Did you see any of the fruit of that growing up? Like what was your childhood like, you know, with your sibling? You have, you have a sibling, right? Yep. I have a brother and sister. Okay. Sibling. So like, what, what was that like? And like, did those two things like, did the Catholic upbringing, the regiment, lead to great childhood? Did it lead to normal childhood, dysfunctional childhood? You know, sometimes these aren't connected, but what was that like? Oh, uh, I think growing up, the faith in my household, I think it just really made me fearful of everything. Um, I always felt like I was being watched. I think that's where lots of my insecurities and, I guess, worries come from initially but I live in this very dark place every day um, and I think that's because of my upbringing sure just being fearful of everything that if I don't follow God's plan to the T some bad stuff's gonna happen yep so did you feel that when you were young yeah yeah started Absolutely. early yeah like elementary age Yes, because yeah. um, not only was I fearful of God, <laughs> I was very fearful of my parents because growing up with foreign parents, I think people could, uh, people could attest to that they would get beat. Yeah. <laughs> not beat to the point where they're like incapacitated, but you're getting smacked around here and there. Yeah. Which is illegal. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but but you're speaking to a different pressure that you yes. guys felt, like being Filipino and you know Im- immigrant parents mm-hmm. in a big city. Like there's there's the perfectionism of Catholicism, and then there's a perfectionism of, hey, don't screw this up, yeah. right? And don't stand out. And, and don't make people hate us or fear us or misunderstand us. Like, you, you kind of had a collision of both of those things. As a kid, were you a good kid? Um, I was good for the most part. Yeah. I never got out of line because, again, I was very, very scared of my parents. Yeah. Um, yeah, I followed all the rules. Even today, like, if you're in my brain right now. You would be like, why is this person so crazy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think it started to change a little bit when I went to high school. But again, I went to a Jesuit high school, which all is boys. it's an all boys oh, Jesuit high school. <laughs> <laughs> which it's um, like all the hormones, like you know what, we're just gonna shove, shove y'all together. Yeah. All together. Yeah. Goodness. And it it was fine, but I learned. Ways to get away with things. Um, was this like a boarding school? No, it was not Did a you, boarding you school. You went home yep. at the end of the day? Okay. So it was, I went to Fordham Prep, which was located in the Bronx on the Fordham University campus. It was definitely a good experience. That was actually where I first experienced organized sports. 
Um, that's where I found my love for wrestling, and that is also where things started to go a little bit sideways. Sure. It started being a little bit more of a – I wanted to think I was independent, couldn't wait to get out of my parents' house. But overall, the high school did teach me to put others before myself, which was my biggest takeaway from there. Um, At that point, were you still doing the Catholic Church multiple times a week, you know, show up, dressed up? Oh, absolutely. Like confession, all that stuff. Like in high school, you know, we, we, we see in faith that there's kind of like different phases of it, right? Like you grow up in church and it matters a lot, but you it doesn't really click. You know, I think you guys probably feel it with your kids because I feel it with my girls right now where they're like, Everybody goes to church and they all go to churches like collective and they love it. And you have to explain like, nope, you're really lucky. This is really special. Like you go to a church that you love with friends that you love. You hang out with those friends all the time. Like they don't get it, but they love God. Right. And and we kind of have that when we're younger. But then when we start hitting middle school and high school is when the wheels start turning and you're like, at some point I'm going to choose this for myself or not choose this for myself. So when you're in high school seeking out that independence you know, getting into organized sports and, and like you're starting to change a little bit. What was your view toward God and faith at that point? You're still doing all the stuff. Did you feel like you had a relationship with God? Were you still going through the motions? Was there any sort of like inner turmoil there of like, hey, I like this idea of God, but man, this isn't how I want it to play out. Did you even know that there were like other ways that it could play out? What was that like in high school? Um, I never, in high school, I never really thought about it. I just, again, from my early childhood, I just kept following the routine. Uh, I never took the chance to ask my parents as to why we went to church all the time. It was just more of a chore for my brother and myself. It wasn't until, I guess, the past five years where I started to take my faith very seriously. Yeah. So it's just something you did. Yeah. Okay. So talk us through high school. Like it's still the same, you know, strict household, you know, Catholic church, Jesuit school, all boys school, which just sounds awful. Like I get it. Like I get it because it's like, Hey, this is how you stay away from sin. (laughs) It's like, you just put all the boys together. doesn't really work that way. Um, there's like good bonding. I, I in college I had to stay in an all guys dorm, mm-hmm. and I remember thinking like it's super lame to go to college and like have a boys only dorm. And then I got there and I was like, oh, I really like this because it's just like my friends. I don't have to deal with any of the drama. So like, there's some good things with it. Um, but like you said, you you were ready to go. Yeah. So what was like high school like through that process? Did you start to like separate essentially from? family life and faith life or were you just kind of waiting for that day where you get the diploma and you're like I'm I'm out of here um it was really just waiting to get out nothing against my parents but they're great people they definitely tried to raise me right but I think being as strict as they were just kind of was pushing me like out that door yeah and once I got to college that's where Stuff really got sideways. Um, I veered off the path, 
chasing women, it's bad habits. I mean, yeah. heavy tobacco use, all of that. And that's when I really dropped off from my faith. Uh, there wasn't really a... I didn't know of any Catholic churches that were within, um, I guess, a five-mile radius of the campus, so that flew out the window. And hanging out with a bunch of uh, my teammates in college, I mean, it was just yeah, it was just chaos every weekend. Did you go to a Catholic college? No, I did okay. not go to a Catholic college. Did you go to? Was it religious in any no. way? What school did you go to? Uh, York College of Pennsylvania. Okay. Well, why'd you go there? Uh, I wanted to con- uh, continue my wrestling career. Um, it's a small D3 school, but they somehow gave me an academic scholarship. There you go. And I'm like... It doesn't matter. You take that money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for people who don't know, York is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of a Rust Belt city where it's like it's at one point it was a a growing incredible city you know economy changes work changes it's beat down it doesn't have a lot like you're there's not a lot out in york i know this because weird reasons there's a cheddars out there which is a restaurant that like worked there for one oh man cheddars is there's there's a cheddars in tennessee uh it's like a fancy not fancy restaurant that's all i know about york but york's not like there's not a lot to do, right? And so ultimately, one of the things that you have to figure out if you go to college there is you have to figure out what to do. And so it's not hard to understand why weekends would go crazy because what else are you going to do? Because you weren't going home, right? No. Right. So you're just like partying. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. So you, you said there wasn't a Catholic church within five miles, which makes sense. Like I don't – I mean I imagine there's probably some churches in York, yeah. but there's not a lot again, because it's not like a growing city anymore. Did you ever consider going to a different church? Well, let me ask, how much did you actually consider going to church? There was like a 1% chance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. going to church. Um, but did you tell your mom you went to church every Sunday? Absolutely. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're, like, you're, like getting dri- you're like standing outside of Catholic church taking a picture. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, that happens in college. Right. Yeah. Because college is really the first time where you have to choose whether or not you're going to pursue faith. Like mm-hmm. in high school, as you get older, we have a lot of high schoolers at Collective that they're like just to the point of parents allowing them to make decisions. Right. That 16, 17, 18 year old age. And a lot of times you just make the decisions that you've all already been making or your parents have been making for you. So a lot of those kids end up going to church and sometimes they drive themselves. Sometimes they ride with parents. But college is really the first time where it's like, what are you going to do? Right now, and this is kind of a pass for everybody who went to college and stepped away from faith. It's not easy because they don't churches don't get started in college campuses that are like collective. Right. Um, We actually back in the day had looked at like other cities. One of them was Towson because Towson University. Um, But even talking about places in like North Carolina and all that. And we were told that you don't plant churches near colleges because college kids don't have money. Right. Like that's the that's the unwritten rule. You know, sorry to hurt everyone's feelings. You just heard that. Some of you aren't surprised that that's something that the churches talk about. But like they won't start churches in college towns because there's there's no money and the kids come and go. Right. And so a lot of the reason why we struggle in college is because there aren't churches going. We should 
put a campus, we should start a new church near this school. It's, it's the reason why people that we know that went to University of Maryland drove to Tyson's Corner to go to McLean Bible, you know, because it was close enough, right? And so, you know, before you judge Sam for not going to church, it's hard. It is hard in college. Um, I'm assuming, did you guys have like a campus ministry thing? Like, uh, I think yeah. like crew and like, yeah, FCA, did you guys have that at, at York? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but you wouldn't even know. I wouldn't know. You wouldn't know was, <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't even know it's a part of it. Yeah. So, so I guess, let me ask this question then. So, like, when you go to college, did you feel like you walked away from faith, stepped away from faith, or was it just like a, it wasn't really a, it was a part of my life, but it wasn't really a thing I did, therefore it made sense just to let it go? Like, what was that like? I think um, I stepped away, not intentionally, but... When I was at home at my parents' house, we would go to the same church, of course, right? Every Sunday for, I think it was like 15 years. Wow. And then I also didn't have a car on campus at the time. So when that whole routine got broken up, I was like, I'll just, I guess I'll just lay in bed, yeah. go to the gym, do something else, not go to church. Yeah. There was a little chapel on the campus but I wasn't very fond of going there because the people you'd see there usually were other college kids who the night before you see them sucking face with multiple people and you're like, hey, yeah. hey, 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 why are yeah. we here now? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know it's Sunday morning, but I don't know if that cancels out all the goofy stuff you did the night yeah. before. Yeah. But I was in a very toxic relationship, which didn't help my faith in God either. Me and this ex-girlfriend of mine, we'd like make up and break up every yeah. other week. Yeah. But yeah, it was just mostly chasing girls. Yeah. And trying to have a good time before taking that first real step into the adult world. Yeah. You feel like it was like you doing the opposite? Oh, of absolutely. Like what you were forced to do? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I feel like I was just trying to make up for all this quote-unquote lost time yeah. from high school that I didn't get to experience your typical high school musical experience. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I was trying to cram that in the next four years. So, yeah, faith was definitely not there. I'd still say my prayers every night, just out of habit. Um, try to ask for forgiveness for all the dumb shit I did that day, but <laughs> you still had like rosaries. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. You had yeah. All that stuff well, because at that rooms. point it's almost cultural again. Yeah. Like going back to like the Filipino side, it's like they kind of merge into to one, you know, and they are connected, but they're not just because you're Filipino doesn't mean you're Catholic, mm -hmm. you know, but a lot of times in, in culture specifically, America just has like all these choices, but like in other cultures, like they kind of, it's what you do. They go hand in hand. Yeah. And so it kind of makes sense that it was a part of your life, but it was more of like a part of you being Filipino, you being, you know, uh, 
a New Jersey person, but like growing up in yeah. New York, where like Catholicism, like it, it is all based on it's more circumstantial, mm-hmm. right, than anything else. So it makes sense that like you carried it through because it was like a part of who you are, but it wasn't something that you actively engaged in or, or understood. Which, which I think, you know, again, it goes down to you start getting to a point where you have to make a decision where you're, where you're like, I'm doing this thing. Why am I doing this thing? Or I'm not doing this thing. Why am I choosing not to do this thing? So like, how would you sum up your belief in God? Like you just said you prayed. So you were like, hey, I believe in God, but. Biggest summary of uh, my faith in God during college was I knew he was there. I knew he's done some things in my life, but it wasn't, I guess, nothing of significance or nothing crazy happened where yeah. I had this come to Jesus moment. Yeah. But I believed, but again, it was probably just out of all the, I guess, past 20, 21 years of being in the Catholic faith, just having that hammered into your brain. Yeah, the the faith didn't feel genuine. Yeah, I just knew that God is sure. a being. Sure. Who so, and did you still feel everything? Sure. The insecurity and the fear, the somebody's watching me. Like even once you're removed from that, you still kind of have those feelings in college. Uh yes, and I have those feelings to this day. You guys meet in college, Brittany. You're a senior, Sam. You're a junior. Brittany, let's go back to your story and kind of catch us up to that part. So where did you grow up? What was your childhood like? And then what was faith like in your childhood? Okay. Um, So my parents were teen parents. My mom was pregnant in high school. And context on that, I think every generation of my family has been pregnant in high school. No one's gone to college. No one has ever had, like, a decent job. Very just... I don't know we just that's what my family does so like I remember when I turned 17 and wasn't pregnant like it was a big deal like yeah congratulations you know and so my parents uh, were young and you know I've had to in the past couple years like I've really had to especially now that I'm a mom like come to terms with like my parents did the best they could so anything I'm about to say is not me like judging which but for a very long time I did like when I got out of the house and looked back like I was angry because I was like you guys were horrible parents and now again, I'm like, my mom was 17. Yep. Like, yep. she didn't, I don't know what I'm doing now. Like right. no 17 year old knows how to raise a kid, especially when you don't have good examples. Like my mom was taken away from her parents for a long time because of drug use. Her mom actually, my grandma spent 13 years in federal prison because of things like, and so I've also had to come to terms with like, my mom did better than what she had and that was enough. And, but for a long enough for me, it wasn't. So. Um, my dad's an alcoholic. He's not at the moment because he's on medication that he can't drink with, but like, this is the first time he's ever not been like an alcoholic. So growing up, my parents were very young. Um, my mom didn't drink, but my dad was like a 24 pack a day alcoholic. Um, mean, he never hit us, but very, very verbally aggressive, just always yelling, always calling us every name in the book. I mean, I remember being called a string of curse words at like four, you know, like it just was how it is. He never, and again, my dad's a truck driver. He grew up with truck drivers. So like to him, my dad's still to this day, like he just can't separate it. Like he doesn't understand that like the things he says are hurtful and he just thinks like 
just get over it. Like, yeah. it's just how I talk. It's how I am. And like, again, as I'm getting older, I'm just accepting that that's who he is and not taking it personally. But like as a kid, sure. especially when you don't, you didn't do anything wrong, like it's tough. So we were poor. We had our car repossessed. We didn't have electricity a lot. We had our house repossessed. We ended up moving into one of my grandparents' properties. Um, but I didn't know it. My parents, even though they were young and I don't think they made good decisions, like they were really good at like pretending everything yeah. was okay. And I yeah. don't know if that was for us or for them or a mix of both or just like, you know, everything's fine. Like it is what it is. You know, we lost the car, whatever, get a new one. Like, and so I, since my dad was like an alcoholic and my parents just aren't people, people. Like we never had friends over. They aren't people who have a whole lot of friends. That's just kind of how they operate. And so I just never, I got to a point where I just never wanted to be home. Like I never knew what I was coming home to if my dad was going to be the nice drunk or the curse you out just for breathing drunk. And I got to an age where I did not want to be there. And so when you're a girl and you don't want to be at your house, there are plenty of places you can be that are no good. And so I just remember always staying at friends' houses. Like, I just never, like, we didn't really have much sleepovers at my house because I just, I was embarrassed, too. Like, you know, we didn't have the nicest house, and my friends did, and my dad was an alcoholic, and you never knew if my parents were going to fight. That. Like, I just didn't want any parts of it. So I, from as soon as I can, I remember just wanting to be out. I stayed at friends' houses every weekend. I, you know, always was doing sports out of the house. And then even to the point of my, when my parents had to move in high school, um, we moved to Maryland and they can't get in trouble now cause it's forever ago. But I was illegally driving to Pennsylvania to still go to college or to high school wow. cause I didn't want to leave. But that meant like, I didn't go home. Like I would not go home for like weeks at a time in wow. high school. And when you're, again, I was doing, I was drinking, I was smoking from probably 13. I was hanging out with boys all starting at like 13. Um, I thought my parents didn't know. And I thought I was slick and getting away with things. My parents knew, now that I talked to my mom, she they knew all along. Uh, my parents just didn't know how to stop it. And I think my mom felt like, what am I gonna say to you? Like, your dad's an alcoholic. Like, what am I gonna say? You can't drink. So like, they always said like, we're not going to do anything unless like I got seriously hurt or got brought home by the police. Um, so I just got really good at hiding and doing what I wanted and then you would have never known it. So like. I would, I mean, in high school, I was like a top athlete. I was on student council. I was, did all the stuff. But then on weekends, I'm like drinking until no high schooler should be drinking, you know? And we had zero faith in my house growing up. I mean, like literally nothing. It was not talked about. My mom was brought up Southern Baptist, I think. Um, my dad was brought up Catholic. And they're just those people that like came to an agreement that like this is not a thing in our house. So like... I, I mean, until I got older and had friends who, like, talked about faith, I hadn't, I didn't even know it was a thing. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't have known there was a God or a story about anything. The only thing I ever remember about faith was we had one of those, like, massive Bibles, like, a weirdly big Bible in our house, and I didn't... I mean, it just sat there, and I had friends in, like, middle school who were Catholic, and they would, like, tell me their, like, new com confirmation middle name or something, and I'd be like, well, that's weird, like, and that's, like, all I remember, and I just, they would say, like, oh, yeah, we go to church, and then we got confirmed this weekend, and now I have a new middle name, and I'd be like, 
okay, that sounds weird. Yeah. Um, so there was no faith to the point of like, I remember in high school, friends would like ask me questions and I would answer and they'd be like, you have to be joking. Like, there's no way you know nothing. Like, and I didn't, I remember one time I said like, oh yeah, my mom said she's read the Bible before, but I'm not sure if she's read like the real big one or the small one. And they were all like, it's just a different font. Sure. Like, it's not, like I really sure. thought there were like, different Bibles and yep. like I had no context and then I had a friend in high school who was Catholic and I would go and then at some point I felt like hey other people do this and I feel like it's something like we're supposed to do but my family just doesn't do so I should do this and so I had a friend who would go to like candlelight mass on Christmas Eve and I would go and I would get nothing out of it. I would just be like, oh, look at me, I'm in church on Christmas Eve. And like, that was my very first exposure. And again, like, if you have no background in faith, going to a Catholic church is pointless because you don't know when to stand up or kneel, you don't know what they're saying. And so I just felt like I was like there and then I'd leave and it meant nothing. Well, especially because we're old enough to where Catholic churches, some of them are still doing Latin mm -hmm. or like portions of it were in Latin. Mm -hmm. Like they, they didn't really start breaking away from that until around the time when we were kids and teenagers. So depending on the church you went to, it might've been. I don't even know. Yeah. Um, I couldn't even hear him. I feel like half the time, like I, where we sat, like I couldn't hear him. And I was like, Is, are people getting something out of this? Like, I don't know what's happening. Like, and I only went a handful of times, but I truly just like never knew yeah. I just thought that's what, and again, I kept being like, why are people so into this? Like, you just come, you stand, you kneel, you, I don't know. It just felt very, like, stupid. Like, yeah. that's a bad word to use, but, like, it did. It just felt like, and so then I thought that, like, faith was just, like, everybody coming to this Catholic church and standing and kneeling then leaving and not doing anything with it. Like, that is the only context yeah. I had of it. It's interesting, though, that you bring up, like, growing up in poverty, having no faith, and then having friends that you know, that had more or mm -hmm. better houses, whatever it is, and, and some of them had faith. There is a really interesting connection between people who grow up poor and church. And they actually have found that people who live in poverty are less likely to go to church. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're still trying to figure out why. Some of it's because, you know, they believe, okay, well, God doesn't love me. That's why I'm in poverty. But there's a big part of it where... And, and we feel this, and we push, try to push against that collective, where people think church is for people who are well, mm -hmm. right? And so your friends who are well go to church, and then you who are unwell go, and you're like, "This is stupid. Mm -hmm. Like this has not, this can't do anything for me." And so, even at a, at a young age, even though you probably didn't fully understand it, you're, you're dealing with that tension of church should be a hospital mm -hmm. for people that are bleeding out. But it's not in a lot of ways. And there you are as a person who's essentially bleeding out, whether or not you're aware of it or whether or not you're acknowledging it or whether or not you're thriving in, you know, that that bleeding out phase of your life. But you're feeling that tension of like, this has nothing for me, mm -hmm. which is ridiculous, yep. right? Because you of all people as a teenage girl, like living this crazy life, finding value in things that aren't valuable, avoiding you know, things in her life because there's pain, like you of all people should have felt value, mm -hmm. right? So experiencing that in high school, did you, like you said, you went to a few candlelight masses at Christmas. Did you just go like a few times? Yeah. Like it, it literally was like Christmas Eve. Yeah. I did go a couple other times with a friend and hers wasn't Catholic, but again, it was just like, 
I don't know, and I don't know what it was, but like I literally only went because I felt like everybody else goes and this is what I'm supposed to do. I wasn't going looking for anything. I wasn't and when I was there, I just was like sitting there like, okay, this is what we do. And then I'd leave and it meant nothing. Yeah. I don't know. It was just weird. And I dev- I never felt like I was missing anything. I And I truly like I've just even to this day, I feel like I've never met somebody who just literally had like absolutely no knowledge about it. And it feels weird now. And it's a weird tension of like, I, I lived in this place for a long time where I had a lot of resentment against my parents. And like my mom is my, my absolute best friend. I adore her. But we've always had that friendship. Like, I mean, she was young and she knew how much, I mean, my mom and dad don't get along to this day. She did not like him growing up. We just kind of had no choice. And she knew that. And she and I were just like friends. Like I was her person. Like I've always been her person my whole life. And that was weird because then I treated my mom like a friend. So if she tried to tell me to not do something, I would be like, who are you? You were a teenage mom. Like I'm gonna go do what I want and just, but now like looking back like there was a really and even still sometimes like there's a portion of me that felt like had i grown up in the church i would not have dealt with everything i did and like that's not true but it feel it felt true so then when i got older and started pursuing church more like i was trying to like make up for all this missed time and it was almost like i just said like i'm going to go now because i wish i would have went then and then i wouldn't have been drinking and i had sure. a really my high school boyfriend was you know, that's what they always say. It's dad problems lead into yep. relationships. And he, I mean, I don't want to speak ill of him because he's died since. But, like, physically abusive, verbally abusive, manipulative, just not a good place. And when you you don't want to be home and then the other place is with your boyfriend who is equally as bad. Like, I just lived in this place where, like, I became very afraid of men. I became very submissive. And I became a yes man and a people pleaser. And to this day, like, it is my biggest fault and biggest problem because... I will say and do anything that you want me to, to avoid conflict, to avoid making you mad because I don't know how you're going to react, which I'm assuming is growing up with an abusive dad and not abusive, an alcoholic dad. And then an abusive boyfriend of like, I don't know how you're going to react. So I'm just going to do whatever you want me to do or say whatever you want me to say to save face and to keep myself safe. And so growing up with that from both men. And then of course that's, and that's why I like put so much pressure on Sam. I was like, you have to be a good dad. <laughs> Dads and daughters, it's so important. Even if like, and I didn't think that. Like, I just didn't like my dad. So I was like, who cares if that's my dad? I don't like him. Like, my friends didn't even know I had a dad. He came to my senior night of volleyball. And everyone was like, wait, you have a dad? Where does he live? And I was like, in my house. Yeah. Like, wow. So, um, and we're better now. He's a great granddad, which like I love, but also like. Yep. It's right hard. Heart. It's hard. But. Anyway, and I have to watch myself because sometimes I'll say something around Charlotte. Like, she'll be like, Pappy's the best. And I'll be like, is he? Yeah. Yeah. Like, sure he is. Like, but anyway, so I, um, I knew I wanted to play volleyball in college. And at this point, like, I just wanted to get out. I had a couple of scholarships to D2 schools that I should have taken in hindsight. Um, but my high school boyfriend told me if I moved too far away, he's going to break up with me. And, you know woe is me in high school like that can't happen so I went to York um, because it was 45 minutes down the road it was a small d3 school I'd know I'd have no problem getting on the team Um, I wanted to be an education major and it's a good education school so it just worked out and so when I got in college my college best friend she eventually became my roommate but not my senior year she had like the life that I wanted like she had this family that was just wonderful like the parents were in love and happy and fun and 
she loved being home and every Sunday we started going back to her house because every Sunday she'd pack up she'd take her laundry home because she lived close um she'd go to church with her family and like to be fair her church was like her family like it was one of those really small churches that like I'm pretty sure she was related to every single person in the church or it was like her neighbor and it was like I don't remember what type of church it was um and at that point I started going every Sunday with them but not because I wanted Jesus or church I just loved what they had like I just loved their family so they we went to church and then her whole family her cousins her aunts her grandparents had a big Sunday lunch together and everybody got along and it was fun and I remember being like oh when you go to church this is the type of family sure, you have sure. and I I loved it like I just went every Sunday for years and I just loved it and I never got anything out of church I never felt like I learned anything at all like about Jesus or faith I just loved the feeling of being in church with these people and being in a family and that's like I felt like I was part of their family and I really was and so she went to creation one year and I went with her and people were getting baptized in the river and I was like I go to church now so I'm gonna get baptized in this river and I I mean it meant nothing like and even now I'm like I've talked to Rachel about this I'm like I was baptized as an adult but like I don't know it wasn't like I was giving my life to Jesus I was just I went to church and so you get baptized when you go to church and that's what I did and slowly I started kind of getting more interested in it and then I got to the point where I realized like hey I love this family and I love this church but I am getting nothing out of this church and I never let them know that like I had no idea what was going on yeah <laughs> and it wasn't a it, it didn't feel like a church where they were like teaching things it was a very I don't know what it was Methodist maybe I don't know it was very it wasn't like Catholic routine, but there was still like yeah, a flow yeah. it to it. It could be like Episcopalian or Lutheran or Methodist. They, they kind of all had the same vibe. It didn't feel like you went and you were like, yeah. Like you just went and did your thing and left. Like, yeah. so I wasn't getting anything out of it. And I eventually got to the point where I was like, I think I want to know more about this. And so I ventured off to a non dom church in York, and I can't remember what it was called. Do you remember? I guess it's not important. LCFC. Was it Lancaster? Yeah, LCBC. There you go. It was at a campus? Yeah, there was a campus in York. Yeah, that church is massive. Yeah. Oh, they shut down the road. Yeah, they have to shut down the road just to get Yeah, I have friends that go to various campuses and play at various campuses and all that stuff. It's massive. And so I started going there by myself. And like I would literally just show up to church by myself and... Again, I'm a very, like, socially awkward and anxious person, and people would try to talk to me, and I would just be like, I just want to sit down. Like, I don't want to talk to people. I don't – and I just loved the music. And I, I even still, like, I love worship, and I just loved the way it made me feel – like, made me feel. And so I was going every Sunday for years, and I still, like – I was getting nothing. Like, I just liked – I felt like that was the missing part of my life, that going to church was going to fill and fix everything. And it wasn't like it because I was just going like, again, I was getting nothing out of it. I was showing up at church. I made sure to go on Sundays, but I was that person who was like blackout drunk on Saturday night and then waking up to go to church to listen to this fun music. And 
so you're talking, you go to college and you pretty much start going to church right away, mm-hmm. right? You you feel what you're feeling at the first church is belonging, mm-hmm. right? We talk about that a ton. Like, like yeah, a that's normal, the whole functional family. Like the church should be a place where you belong. Yes. Right. And you're like, I want that. Mm-hmm. Growing up without belonging, you're like, all right, I want more of that. But then you realize, like, but also I'm not getting anything yeah. else. Like, it's not, it's not like hitting you in your soul and your heart. You're not changing the way you're living. Nope, not at all. So then you're like, I'm going to try something new. Mm-hmm. Well, you get baptized in a creek at Creation, which is a, a, a music festival, yeah. right? Okay. So you end up at a good church, mm-hmm. which I don't know a lot about. Um, I actually can't. It's, it's either LCBC or LBC. It's Lancaster or something. Um, from what I understand, it's a good church. I have, I have friends that go there to separate campuses and all that. So you're at a good place, but you're still just like not. It's not like transferring at all. What is happening then? Like, like I, I need to dig into this for a second because I, I would say that there are people that have been at Collective for years and they show up mm-hmm. and they'll say they love this place. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, at least from my perspective as the pastor, I'm like, you're the same person you yep. were four years ago, which is hard for me to believe, right? Because while they're the same person for four years, I'm also watching people like you guys, you know, like Sam. like, And it's like, I've only known you guys for a few years, and I've watched growth and healing and better marriage, better parenting, more purpose, friendships, all these things, like inviting other people mm-hmm. to know Christ. Why do you think... Like what? What do you think it was that was stopping? So he, well, that's man. There's a whole other conversation. Um, what What do you think that was? I was going for the wrong reasons. First of all, I was going because I felt like I was supposed to go, and I was going because I felt like this was what people did, and I felt like my life would have been completely different had I gone as a child. So now I'm just again, like Sam kind of said, like making up for lost time. And I loved the music. And when I was in church, and this was true too, until honestly here, like I love church. I do. I love this church. I've loved every church that we've gone to. And since I didn't have, we are like, and you'll learn more, like Sam and I grew up polar opposites, if you can't tell, polar opposite cultures, uh, faith, everything. And so Sam had like, checked out where I'm just checking in. I'm that new annoying Christian of like, I'm not, and I don't even consider myself Christian. I would have said I was because I went to church, but I wasn't a Christian. I, I just liked going somewhere where I felt like these are good people. There's good music and I love music. So the music was great. I would sit there and scribble notes like Jesus loves me. Sure. Hooray. And I loved that. Like I would just, while I was there, I felt like everything in my life was fine. It didn't matter what I was doing outside of this. I felt peace. I felt happy. And then I would leave, and that feeling was completely gone until next Sunday. And no, I didn't have – I didn't go with anyone, so it's not like I even could get in the car and be like, hey, they said this. Or, like, I, I just didn't talk about it. Like, I went by myself, and I left. There was no community. There was no no one to bounce ideas off of. There was no one to ask questions to. I also since like I said, like – and I know this isn't true now, but, like, it felt like everyone knew all the answers sure. and I yeah. felt like s- stupid asking questions or telling people that I didn't know what was going on. So I'd go, I'd hear a very uplifting message that made me feel good. I would sometimes feel like, man, I need to change my whole life. And then I'd leave and go right back because there was no one challenging me. There was no one helping me. There was no one to talk to about it. And it was just this one hour of my life that felt peaceful and happy sure. and I just wanted to go and I wanted to be there sure I mean really what you're feeling is the benefit mm-hmm. 
of you know the beauty of of the church without understanding the value of it right and i think that's okay i think there's people that show up at collective you know one of the girls who shared her story in season one becky she grew up in germany and collective was the first like real church she'd ever been to and she said she showed up and she just wept Mm -hmm. because she was like i don't know what this is Mm -hmm. but i've never had this feeling before peace community safety like whatever it is and sometimes that is like that that should be the church in general but like sometimes like that's what you you hold on to for a long time so it's funny that you said that you kind of like made up for lost time you guys both did that Mm -hmm. essentially but in very completely opposite ways yeah Mm -hmm. um but then these two things collided Mm -hmm. in the same friend's house you guys Mm -hmm. meet for the first time um doesn't go well particularly How did how did it go from we don't know each other, really shouldn't have known each other. You've kind of lived opposite lives, completely. Right yeah. now, like if you put them together, it made sense. Like you guys have both had your phases of kind of living recklessly. It's the prodigal son, right? Like wild living. You've also, you know, Sam, you had your church experience. Brittany, you're kind of jumping into it. So if you look at the whole, you're like, oh yeah, they both had similar experiences. You guys were just kind of flip flop mm-hmm. in time. So how did you go from, because you guys, I don't know if you could have been more different at that point. And still. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. But like. But yeah. It doesn't really make sense. So how did the, we accidentally end up staying at a friend's house and bump into each other that night turn into a a relationship? Yeah. Yes. Well, it's funny because if you would ask any of our friends at the time, like when they came to our wedding, they were like, this is not supposed to be a thing. And like everyone has always, and not in a bad way, I just feel like everyone's always like counted us out. Like there's no way this should work. We were both each other's rebounds. (laughs) Oh, sure. On that fateful So we were both out of a very bad relationship and weren't looking to get into another one whatsoever. We were looking for fun, right? Yeah. So that night, we bump into each other. Um, well, beyond that, so the next day, Sam slid into my DMs, you know, and gave me his phone number. And I essentially said, like, I think I, like, sent haha. Like, I was not interested. I was mad. Um, but he is a nice guy, and I didn't realize it. And he, like, I worked at the gym. And one of my friends, like, what, two weeks later was like, there's some guy in here talking about you. I was like, what are you talking about? And I guess he was telling his buddy, like, yeah, there's this girl. She's really nice. I want to get to know her, whatever. And I was like, okay, maybe this guy is, like, actually an okay guy, and he's kind of genuine. Like, I'll entertain this. Like, granted, I was a senior in college, and I was student teaching, and I was I had my whole life plan to get up and move to North Carolina with my best friend at the end of my student teaching and get a job down there. So in my mind, I was like, I'll hang out with this guy. He's nice, whatever we'll have a friendship, we'll have some fun, and I will leave. Like, this is going to amount to absolutely nothing, so what's the harm? And so I guess I responded to your message after that and was like, what's up? And you said, can I come hang out? And I was like, I guess so, I don't know. And we hung out every single day after that. And the first couple months, it was very, I would say the first couple weeks, like, I told you, like, I'm leaving, I'm going to North Carolina, I just got our relationship. And granted, like, we were both still talking to our exes, trying to make it work, but they were not on campus. So we were on campus and we would just hang out. And I think we both realized that, like, hey, I kind of like this person and they're not manipulative and they're not abusive and they're not, like, our exes were, not that they're bad people. It's just high school and college relationships suck. Like, most of them are just, 
They're all, they're like all toxic. They're toxic. And yeah. when we were together, it was it didn't feel toxic. It was easy and it was very surface. We went to the gym together. We'd hang out with his roommates together or my roommates and our roommates were both a bunch of fun. So like we I don't feel like we knew each other. We just enjoyed being around each other and it yeah. felt so easy and we were like, "Hey, I kind of like this." But always knowing that I was leaving and nothing was going to come of it also made it a lot easier to just be like, let's just hang out and have fun. And then we started actually dating and I had to wrestle with, am I going to pursue this relationship, which I've been in plenty of relationships and they've failed. And am I going to give up this whole life I have planned for this guy? And I did. And so I told my friend like, hey, and I lied. And I feel bad for this friend. This friend, she's like my lifelong best friend. I was supposed to go to college with her, but my high school boyfriend told me I couldn't, so I bailed on her. And then I was supposed to go to North Carolina with her, and my college boyfriend wanted me to stay, and so I did. Like, And again, that just floats with my life. Like, I'll just do whatever I have to do. Sure. Um, and so I ended up staying, and I bailed, and we just kept dating. And then we very quickly, and again, like, We've talked about this. So I'm 21. Sam had just turned 20. And I, I don't know if it's, I don't know what was wrong with us, but we met in January and we were engaged that like right away, a couple months later. And we just, because we were just in such a bad place and we met and it made sense and we had fun and we were like, let's just get married. But like, we did not know each other. I mean, yeah. I didn't know anything about you really. We just, like I said, our whole ML was like, we go to the gym, which we both loved. We eat a bunch of food together. We hang out and have fun with our roommates. And we were like, let's just do this forever. And so we did. And Hold on. <laughs> we're still running with it now. Which the the train has crashed at some point. We'll get to that. But Okay. <laughs> You're 21. Mm-hmm. You're 20. Yeah. And you guys got engaged. On his mom's couch, he handed me a ring. And that was it. Didn't even ask me. He's just like, here you go. And okay. I think it was like, right, right. I think it was like four hundred dollars. <laughs> it was such a mess. All right. Like, so here, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna make this a two-parter. <laughs> and this is gonna be the cliffhanger. It's you guys being babies. Absolutely. It's also you're not at a Christian college, right? Mm-mm. That's a very Christian thing of you to do, right? I was engaged when I was twenty. One, yeah, I was 21. Ray was 20. We went to a Christian school. That's like normal there. Like it's kind of a joke there. Similar thing though, where it was like we started as friends. It was like I really like being around this person. I've never really liked people before. You know, like even my friends at college were friends, but they weren't like people I wanted to spend time with, right? So I get that, but at the same time, like. You just said you didn't know anything about each other, and there's just so much. Mm-hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to end episode one here. And um, because we're in, in season two, we're doing things a little bit differently. We are doing episodes once a month, but if we do have a two-parter, uh, tune in, and two weeks from now we'll play part two of this. Uh, so come back and hear how we get from... <laughs> how we get from accidentally meeting each other, sliding into DMs, engagement on mother's couch as 20 year olds in college. Uh, So join us again in two weeks as we pick this episode back up.